Payo is a payment platform made by Hospital for Hospital. And their new self-checkout technology, Payo Checkout, is here to help you manage your venue. It lets your customers easily settle the bill at the end of their meal in seconds by scanning a Payo Checkout QR code on their table. Start offering self-checkout for your customers and save an average of 10 minutes per table with Payo Checkout, the fastest way to pay in hospitality venues. Visit payo.com.au. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in to this special episode. Now, Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals with inside the dynamic world of the hospitality industry. We're straight-talking, ethically-minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now, on to today's show. Now, as I said, this is a special episode. Friends and good Eddie founders, Catherine and Anio, came up with a unique solution to make the consumption of coffee truly ethical with edible coffee cups. Choosing the good Eddie cup at a cafe means that takeaway coffee lovers don't need to remember to bring their reusable cups and they don't need to accept a single-use takeaway cup that can't be recycled and ends up in a bin a few minutes later. We actually talked with Catherine and Anio back in March 2021. So it's fantastic to have them back on the show. Anio, Catherine, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Great to have you back. Thanks for having guys. Now, last time, and I, I listened to our podcast yesterday from March of 2021. Remember those days? That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> that seems like a very long time ago oh, now. Such a long time ago. Um, and we were talking about, you know, you guys starting this business, Good Eddie, and and really at the early stages of, of launch, really. We were we were pre-launch at that point? Yeah, pre, pre-launch. We were pre-launch. Exactly. Yeah, right. we didn't even have the factory set up yet. Wow. So a lot has happened. So let's talk about maybe some of the milestones that have happened in the last sort of, uh, what's that, 15 months or so since last time we sat down. Um, how did the launch go? How's things been? It's been a journey for sure. Um, like uh, the time that we were talking to you, as I mentioned, we didn't even have the pilot plant and we hadn't concluded on our pre-sound, pre-seed round yet either. So uh, basically we raised the money that we needed from mostly family and friends and a couple of angel investors back then. Uh, so we had the money and then, um, yeah, we received the equipment, the main equipment that we had in May and June basically we had the pilot plant set up and it was super hectic. We had all these elements coming in and some of them was like we had tried to plan everything, but some of the things we found, you actually need to be there to conceptualize it and understand how these things are going to work. So beginning of June was just setting up the uh, pilot plant and um, because we had a lot of pre-orders, as soon as we could produce, we had to send orders out. So it was very, very stressful in the beginning, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, since then, like we basically improved the efficiency of our production and set up everything. And uh, very, we have got really, really good traction in the market. And um, soon we were in five states and 50 different outlets and really good traction. So 
yeah, uh, it's been very challenging, but very rewarding at the same time. So we are very happy with, with where we are today now. Awesome. What about you, Catherine? Like, how's it been for you? <laughs> yeah, hectic. Um, it was. It's been really exciting, though. Like we we'd planned out so carefully because we're very structured. So we'd worked out exactly what needed to be done, and we said this is like when we need to do these things and. We look back on it now, a year later, and everything that we said that we wanted to achieve and every milestone that we wanted to hit, we've hit it and done probably even better than what we had planned or predicted. Mm. Um, so that's really exciting. So we've we've now sent out over 80,000 cups, wow. which is, yeah, 80,000 disposable cups that didn't go to landfill and instead we have an edible cup. Um, which is really cool, and it's rising every day. Like we're even probably since we hit that target about a month ago, we've done another ten thousand cups. <laughs> so, wow! So yeah. it's really growing. Yeah. Has the mission of the brand initially changed? Obviously, when we talked in March of twenty twenty one, everything was really behind this want. Well, what I got, th- you know, from speaking with you both, was this want to really save cups from landfill. Has has your mission had to change during the last, you know, 12 to 15 months or is it still down that pathway? No, it's still down that pathway and that's still our sort of guiding light. Like right from the beginning, we said we wanted to do something that was going to make a really big impact and positive change Mm. in terms of sustainability. And that's really what we've been driving towards the whole time. So every decision that we make, um, towards the growth of Good Eddie is all about increasing that impact. Cool. How about um, going out and selling this product to the industry? Was that different than what you originally thought? Because obviously coming to, you're coming to market with something that is really unique and very, very different, right? Um, so has it, has, it, has it been challenging in order to try and sell this product? It's been different from what we thought, but, um, you know, we first we said we're going to focus on the cafes that they have a strong sustainability agenda. Some of them, of course, they came on board very, very quickly, but uh, we didn't have a breakthrough with, like, big brands. And to be frank, that has been difficult and challenging, and still it is today because we found most of the brands especially in coffee they focus on their coffee and they really want to do their best they can in that space Mm. so introducing a new product like ours that they are not familiar with it is challenging Um, but also what happened um, that was really exciting for us was uh, starting working with corporates and event industry which was not in the beginning our focus area Mm. but as soon as we launched all these brands they came to us because event by itself they use a lot of takeaway cups and for them the waste management side of it is also very challenging Mm. so our product is a great solution not only hitting the mark of sustainability but also bring some excitement to the event yeah. and also help them with the waste management so we uh, capitalized on that opportunity very well and we started working with a lot of great brands that they are supporting us and um, yeah we got a very good traction in that space as well hmm. how did that opportunity come about was that something that was inbound yeah and you changed it or was it something that you went out to market with no, what's, what, another thing that's been quite interesting is that um, all of the big opportunities and the, you know, the big customers that we're and clients that we're working with now, it's all been organic incoming traffic. So whenever we try and reach out 
and get someone on board, it's much less successful than them coming and approaching us. And that's what sort of happened. So that's why it was a bit of a surprise because we weren't really looking to target that industry. And then they approached us. Mm. I probably should have said at the start of the podcast, for people who don't know what good Eddie is, who aren't going back and listening to you know our podcast, <laughs> which you should do, pause and go back right now. Um, what really is good Eddie when you talk about it? So good Eddie is a takeaway cup you can eat. It's a convenient and waste-free option to stop disposable cups from going to landfill. Excellent. Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an experienced enough podcast host to actually say that at the start. <laughs> um, you talked about, you know, the capital investment that you guys needed uh, at the start of this business. Like, have you used that in a different way than maybe what you initially forecast by way of like equipment and purchasing and all that kind of stuff? Or is it pretty much just gone to forecast? Pretty much gone to forecast. Mm. We are... Um, we did a really detailed analysis about how much money we need and where we should spend it. And um, yeah, everything was uh, had a very clear breakdown. The only difference was like when we are spending that money. Like uh, we're forecasting, for example, by May, we are going to spend this much, but that um, happened, for example, in June or July. So the timeline changed a little bit, but the amount and where it goes to, um, all of them was quite similar to the forecast that we made. And I think because mainly because we really thought about different things that needed to be done for this pilot plant. What kind of different things? Uh, mainly equipment, material, ingredients, um, labour, um, all those sort of, sort of things that need just, to come just together. Just every aspect. It's <laughs> 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 yeah. that to finish. Yeah. yeah, the challenge was that this is a really unique and new product. So mm. we couldn't just go down to Bunnings and grab an edible cup line off the shelf. So we had to develop every aspect of the line. And then once we had our main equipment in place that we had bought, then we realised that it was too inefficient to run. Uh, it was too labour-intensive. Uh, there was too many steps and it was taking far too long. So the, you know, the cost to produce each cup was double what we could sell it for. So we really had to do something to improve the efficiency. Uh, otherwise, it wasn't going to be a viable business to keep going. Yeah. Um, and that's when we had to really uh, look at every part of the process and how do we automate some parts, how do we make it quicker. And that's sort of what we did over a few months last year to really optimise our line. And now now we have it so that we're, we've got a margin <laughs> on, the, on the cut, which is really good because yeah. that's not what it started like. Yeah. How did you do that? That's really tricky. Like to try and automate a process which is so labour intensive without a heap of capital injection in order to maybe, you know, buy a $300,000 piece of machinery which might do the job for you. Like how did you yeah. go about doing that? And even like the things we needed was not available in the market. So a majority of the improvement that we did was looking at how things are done maybe in other industries and try to grab that concept and implement it in what we do. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there are a lot of equipment in the bakery industry. Uh, none of them works for us. We had to look into, okay, maybe in other industries what they are doing, like even traditional bread or et cetera, and get that concept and try to find a solution that is very similar to that and 
find a sort of, like find the equipment that does the job already, not to put so much capital there because um, yeah, we every single thing that we were doing was looking at okay, if a person does that, that would be the cost. If I buy a machine, that would be the cost. How should we balance this out mm-hmm. and then invest on it according to that? So it's a lot of thinking and a lot of researching and. <laughs> a lot of Google. A lot of Google. <laughs> and not like, yeah, I need this for edible cup baking process. I need this, for example, for another industry and finding those solutions, which has been funny when we are looking back and start looking at what we have found. But now it's really a very uh, streamlined process that we have. Because mm. you're still making this product yourself, are you? Yeah. So we have, it's, it's like the size of a small bakery. Yeah. Um, so we make a dough and then we have a baking machine and, and packaging and things like that. And so we have a uh, operator who runs that line. Wow. Um, really, really impressive. So you have you stayed, in, you stayed in the same space since you started? You haven't moved yet or anything like that? It would be a nightmare to move. Bakeries <laughs> 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 so are always yeah. hard, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know um, sort of exactly what we've probably been through, mm. like the nature of the product um, means that it behaves in a very sort of non-standard way. So we really had to learn right down into the details about how all of the ingredients interact with each other and then what happens when you bake it and how it changes. Uh, There was no sort of like guidebook either because it hasn't been really done before. So uh, we just had to try and talk to a lot of different experts and get their view on on the different aspects and help us to learn about how how to how to sort of make this mm. edible cup. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's like finding different pieces of puzzle from different people and then it was us to bring it all together, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Sometimes you can have I find if I listen to too many people, then I can have overwhelm in the in the amount of information that I get. It albeit really, really good information and therefore I struggle to make a decision. Did you sort of <laughs> find that as well? Or did you find having both of you together maybe allows you to sort of filter out that information a bit easier? I think this is, uh, yeah, you're totally right. It can be quite overwhelming. But uh, since the the day we started working on this startup, I think this is one of our strengths. Like Mm -hmm. we listen to too many things, but we are capable of filtering it out. So, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But maybe it works for us. Maybe this doesn't work for us. Sure. So we always have, and we make this, um, you know, filtering really quickly. Let's just say, oh, yeah, that didn't make sense. Oh, yeah, but that was a great idea. And then, yeah, maybe tweak it like this and it can work for us. So I think that's one of probably one of our best strengths that we have. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and sometimes the solution to another problem pops up when you're trying to solve something else. That's happened a lot of times. We're talking to an expert about a certain thing and they mention something and we're like, oh, my gosh, and a light bulb goes <laughs> off and we think, um, okay, that's the solution for that other problem that we've been trying to fix. Yeah. Can you think about a time when that's actually happened? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to give away too many secrets. Yeah, I know. But it's, it, a lot of them has been around the ingredients, talking right. to experts about the different ingredients that we use in the cup mm. and um, why they're doing certain things. And... Um, yeah, we'll be discussing one thing and then they mention something in a completely different industry like mm. uh, or a completely different product and mm. we're like, oh, my gosh, that's the solution. We've got it. Yeah. 
exactly. Have you found that now this is live in market that customer feedback, um, I say customers in cafes and the corporates that you're doing the product for, um, has changed the product very much or is it allowed? has it been able to be pretty stable, pretty consistent from what you actually originally launched? Very good question. So we um, got a very, very good feedback from the market, majority, like 99% really positive. Um, and fr- what our mission was to create something that can work as a cop. Mm. Like first that was the mission, it should be truly sustainable. So, and by itself, it was a very, very big challenge to create that and use local, simple ingredients, not adding something that people, if they find out, they're going to freak out and not eat the cop. So we made that and we were successful in creating and producing that. Sometimes there are customers that tell us, oh, I want it to be more sweet or uh, maybe you can add this to this. And for us, because we have just started and we are, you know, uh, building that momentum about what we need to do in terms of sustainability, unfortunately, we don't have that flexibility yet. Like, um, but down the line, because we want everybody to be happy and excited about when they are using the car, we are going to consider those things and we are going to do more development. But at this stage, we have to stick with what we have already created and is functioning really well. Just a break in the podcast to let you know that Fine Food Australia returns this September to Melbourne. For nearly four decades, Fine Food has been the leading trade event for all food, from retail to hospitality, manufactory to bakery. Visiting Fine Food will be the recipe to fast track your business for commercial success. Just a reminder that this is a free event to attend, so make sure you register at finefoodaustralia.com.au. Now back to the podcast. And it's addressing the problem. Has it been hard to say no? Yeah, sometimes it is. Um, but you really have to think about, because otherwise we'd just be chasing our tail the whole time. If you keep reacting to everybody's requests, you mm. end up trying to be everything to everybody and ending up being nothing to no one. <laughs> so um, it's it's a challenge because sometimes, if, if it is a really, like, a good customer of ours, then we, like, take that discussion and consider it um but yeah we sort of have to stick to our guns have our we've got our original recipe we've also uh got our chocolate cup now as I well saw. so that's <laughs> been one of our main uh sort of product variants that we've come with mm-hmm. um which is really exciting that was probably one of the biggest requests from customers and consumers as well mm-hmm. is when are you bringing out the chocolate cup so we got that sorted and um yeah it's really delicious is that so that came from cafes as in they wanted to use that with coffee to be inserted in it's or are they using it as a dessert cup <laughs> it's more the end consumer so right, okay. um that's where most people who are wanting to end up having the cup so it's not so as popular with cafes but um corporates and events uh, using it for different purposes, like gelato, for example, mm. um, or a special smoothie that can work really well. But also, we also sell our cups on our website. So mm-hmm. the chocolate cups have been really popular for people buying them on the website to use at home. It's so, exciting. Yeah. I was excited to see that you were doing a dessert cup. <laughs> we should have brought you some. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so obviously, you know, over a year on now, like, what are you thinking for the business moving forward? Like, you've you've passed the biggest hurdle, I think, in any business, which is the first year. You know, so well done. Um, what are you sort of thinking moving forward for the brand, and how do you want to take it f- further? So our plan from um, the beginning was we start with the pilot plant, um, test the market, and take it to next level, which um, which is um, high capacity production line. And the reason for that, we really want this solution to be accessible for everybody. At the moment, we are in a very niche market because um, our cost of production is quite high. And those people who resonate and really believe in sustainability, they can purchase our product and um, be part of the solution. But we really want everybody to be part of the solution. And for us, we have to have a competitive price point. At the moment with the pilot plan, this is not possible. And the next level, next step for us is to invest in high capacity line to be able to have a very competitive price point. So we can deploy this product to everywhere and everybody can use it and can be part of people's life. Mm. So can I ask what you're thinking there in order to, you know, that's a big capital injection in order to do that next stage. Like are you, are you going for another round of investment if I can ask you or like how are you, th- how are you thinking about that right now? Yeah, so we're sort of doing that right now. So we're doing another round of investment mm-hmm. and it's quite a big investment. So we need to, uh, just to give you an idea of the scale, we currently can maximum make about a thousand cups per day. Okay. Really, if we push it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the big line, big continuous automated line is going to make around 3,200 cups per hour. Wow. So. Okay. More cups than you can handle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of cups. <laughs> so is the strategy then to own all that IP and then and then do that yourself, produce it yourself rather than like sell the product to uh, to a person who can make it for you on your on their behalf, on your behalf I should say, and do it that way? Yeah, totally. Like okay. we have created Good Eddie and we really, um, you know, love what we have uh, done so far and we want to keep the IP so it will be our next factory and uh yeah and to go to the other markets and other countries we are also looking at licensing and franchising as uh, next steps but first let's have a big plan in australia <laughs> then uh we're gonna be looking at other markets as well yeah well do you have a timeline in in place at the moment or is that sort of dependent on capital i suppose and when you can get that in Definitely depending on capital, but from the time we have the capital, it's around 9 to 12 months that we can reach that capacity and yep. uh, production. And as soon as we start like building the plan, we can even look at other markets. So um, it's all working at the moment, and we just opened the round, so we see how it goes, but we have got really good traction so far. So let's see, um, depending how soon we can raise the capital, we are going to invest on the new line. Wow, that's super exciting. Uh, we had Philip... Uh, Kush on the podcast the other week uh, from Goldilocks, and he's current. <laughs> he said to me after the podcast, he's he's doing a uh, a plant bakery at Moorabbin at the moment, which he wishes he didn't start because <laughs> it's such a minefield. So I know, like doing anything like that is is really really tough, but inspirational to listen to you both want to do that and take it to the next level because I think it's I think it's definitely the right move in owning the IP and moving forward. I guess my sort of final question to you before I round out is like, do you have advice for breweries or coffee roasters or anyone sort of purchasing um, packaging on a large scale if they if they want to do better with the impact on the environment? 
with you know a product like ours to just generally like where do they start like i find that packaging and that kind of stuff is really really tough where do you think they should start from yeah it's a it's a tough one actually like what what we've looked at from the beginning is our target was to be plastic free mm. and that includes any of these plastic alternatives which are claiming to be good for the environment but they're actually not okay um so that's it's quite a journey and and the difficult thing is is that a lot of the products are being made offshore so particularly china um that's a tough one in terms of sustainability as well firstly looking for local producers and really trying to get that sort of like partnership with local producers of packaging then they'll be willing to hopefully uh, modify and customize their products to fit what you need mm-hmm it will come at a cost because it's always more expensive to go local and also to have that more sustainable um, product that it's coming from. So like sustainably sourced paper, for example. Yeah, I recommend just stay on that track. That's what we've always had to just say, okay, we're not going to compromise on that standard. Keep on searching and you'll find the right partner to work with. Yeah. I know you both are really into deep research. Yeah. <laughs> right, which is which is impressive, really impressive, and I think really, really important. Um, that's something I've always valued with both of you. How would people go about doing their research in regards to things like packaging? Because there is a whole lot of greenwashing that's happening in the market right now, right, what you just said. And we've talked with um, people on the podcast before about packaging and sustainability um, as well as both of you. How have you gone about looking at those kind of, you know, things like boxes or things like plastic wrap and things like that and making sure that it actually is environmentally friendly and sustainable in regards to your needs and you're not being greenwashed, I suppose? Yeah, so obviously, uh, so one point about us is like we have a background in food packaging and processing, so we have a bit of pre-knowledge, you Mm. can call it, but my suggestion is to people to take it step by step and start small. First, learn about really what are different terminology used for. Like when we talk about degradable, biodegradable, compostable, home compostable, what are the dis, dis, uh, things difference and what actually they do to environment. And there are so many great resources like Planet Arc, Sustainability Victoria, that they have really shared this information and it's quite accessible and people can learn about it. Then looking at what they are doing, for example, in the cafe, looking at what part is creating the most amount of waste and start from that. You can't fix everything uh, overnight. So mm-hmm. just starting like, okay, this is this packaging, for example, is creating so much waste or my coffee ground is creating so much waste and start finding those solutions and step by step you are building a business that every element of it has been thought about and you have found a right solution to fix that problem. Mm. So... For packaging specifically, I think that those terminologies are key. And then there, uh, as Catherine said, then there are so many great businesses now in Australia that they are trying to do the right thing, but they need businesses' support. Yeah, they are more expensive, but because they are doing the right thing, and let uh, that extra cost be passed to those people who understand it and they are willing to pay for it mm. by default we say we see many businesses say oh this is so expensive but now people are um, becoming more knowledgeable about everything and they are willing to pay more for something that is 
really good and sustainable. Mm. And down the line, by supporting each other, you can create an economy that is cost-effective for everybody. But if we stop doing that just because of the price, then there is no way that we can accelerate these solutions. Yeah. Have you found that um, your customers in the cafes involved, have they, how have they got over that hurdle with the customer? Has it, has it been communication at point of sale in regards to why sustainability is important, why something like Good Eddie is important in their in their brand and why they're doing it? Yeah, it's been a little bit different depending on the cafe. Mm. So some, it really, really depends on the, um, uh, it depends on the location and the customer demographic about how sort of open to this, this new product they're going to be. Uh, so yeah, it comes down to either point of sale, uh, communication at the counter, like when they're chatting to people about it and how much they promote it in the store. Uh, if they just put the product there with a sign and don't say anything more about it, it probably won't be successful. But the cafes where they really have that discussion with their um, customers and when, especially when they're having repeat customers come in and they're chatting to them about the new products and they talk to them about the edible cup and why it's really cool, then that seems to be the cafes where it's most successful. Mm. Do you think there should be more regulation around packaging and, and the differences in packaging with you know consumers? I know that obviously WA has now... Um, change their single-use plastic uh, terms for next year, I think. That's something else. Um, but I noticed a couple of couple of governments are starting to do that. Do you think there should be more regulation, I suppose, in regards to that? Because when we talk about home compostable, compostable, sustainable, you know, it's it can be a bit confusing. Totally. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely more regulation and also making it easier for people to understand what's going on. Like... Sometimes I, we see packages that they have 55 different signs and people don't even know what to look at. And what do you want me to do with this package after I'm finished? And they are confused. And I think that simplification is part of the process of education. Mm. Uh, and it should start very early, like our schools and our universities. And then people would know about their options and what exactly every single thing means and how they should dispose of a product after they are finished with their consumption. So I think it goes hand in hand, both regulation and education and simplification. Mm. That's what I love about your product the most. It's really easy to know what to do with it, right? You either eat it or it <laughs> composts. It's pretty obvious. Um, finally, to both of you, like, um, what are you looking forward to the next the next year that's coming through in this business? Like obviously you've got hopefully this, this plant that you want to start, which is awesome. Like what are you looking forward to the next 12 months? I love this because last time when we said that it happened, so <laughs> <laughs> we're manifesting today. It's a we're manifesting. Yes, we look forward. Like I look forward to, and I'm sure Catherine shares the same thing that we have the big plan as soon as possible and really, you know, bring that um, dream that we have had in even two years ago. That have a really high scale capacity line and uh, be able to make this product accessible for everybody. Yeah. What about you, Catherine? Yeah, I just want to say, you know, like our dream come to life and it's sort of about Good Eddie being the norm. So people forget about disposable cups that they even existed before, that now um, an edible cup is what you have when you're getting a takeaway. Yeah, love it. Uh, what is the best way that people can find out more about Good Eddie if they want to just have it in their cafe or for their corporate business or they want to invest in both of you, what's the best way? 
So best way is to check out our website, which is www.good-edi, so that's G-O-O-D-E-D-I.com, and you can send us an inquiry. There's a lot of information on there that you can look up, and you can check out our Instagram as well. Cool. It's always linked up in the show notes of this podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you back. Annie and Catherine, thanks so much. Thanks Thank for having you. us. <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. It was fantastic to have Catherine Anio back in the studio and talking to us again, especially a year and a half on after the first time we spoke to them. They're doing amazing things, so make sure you check them out. And if you don't know us at Poe, Sash, my co-founder, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. You can check them out at principledesign.com.au for all that information. They're doing some fantastic work in hospitality right now. And myself at Open Pantry Consulting, we've also got a brand called 42 Days, which we're going to be releasing real, real soon because we really care about people development in the hospitality industry. And we want to make sure that you can keep your team. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. Payo is a payment platform made by Hospo for Hospo. And their new self-checkout technology, Payo Checkout, is here to help you manage your venue. It lets your customers easily settle the bill at the end of their meal in seconds by scanning a Payo Checkout QR code on their table. No apps, no downloads required. Give your customers the convenience of lightning-fast contactless payments and the option to split the bill however they like. Get more tips with Payo Checkout's integrated tipping system and get paid upfront once your customers have confirmed their payment. Start offering self-checkout for your customers and save an average of 10 minutes per table with Payo Checkout, the fastest way to pay in hospitality venues. Setting up Payo Checkout is seamless and pain-free. Visit payo.com.au.